0: Welcome to the Fidelity Podcast. Episode number three is about connectivity and digital ethics. Today, our guests are Senior Investment Specialist, James Hickling, and Global and US Fund Manager, John Guinness. So, John, what kind of framework do you have for looking at sustainability issues as relate to the future connectivity theme? Well, James, for the future connectivity theme... Um, sustainability and ESG is absolutely central. The way we divide it up is there are two areas. The first area are areas which are of more importance now and these are areas like antitrust, carbon footprint and corporate governance. And within this we have some areas such as will Facebook or Google be broken up and, and these are issues that at the moment are predominantly moving the share prices. So for example Um, If the U.S. announces an investigation into into Facebook, Facebook will often go down. And so these are the most important issues today. However, as the Future Connectivity Fund, we're also very forward-looking. And in this respect, we have six digital ethics pillars. Now, these pillars are not necessarily moving the share prices today. But because we're forward-looking, we believe these are the critical issues which will impact share prices in the future. Now, these six digital ethics pillars are cybersecurity, data governance, misinformation, ethical artificial intelligence, online welfare, and digital inclusion. And we believe on a forward-looking basis, these are the areas that will impact sustainability and ESG in the future connectivity universe going forwards. And, and can you give a, a little more info, John, on those different digital ethics areas? For sure. So we have six digital ethic pillars. The first is cybersecurity. This is of critical importance. What is the governance and oversight of the structure of cybersecurity? Does the person in charge of cybersecurity report directly to the CEO and the board? What is the method of um, of protection? What programs and software and services are companies using to protect people's data? What happens in case there's a breach? How quickly will the person in charge of of cybersecurity tell the CEO? And actually how quickly will the CEO tell the board and maybe also the wider market? These are the issues we look for in cybersecurity. In data governance, this is becoming more and more an issue with Apple's IDFA changes and its impact on Facebook and other companies. So for example, what are a company's policies for data collection? What are the company's policies for use of our personal data? And what personal data do they retain and for how long? We look for very specific practices and policies that companies employ to ensure a, a user's privacy in terms of data. And also we look for transparency. So we ask companies, what data do you collect? How often do you store it for? and we asked them to tell us in the wider market and the users all these things. What data are they collecting from us and what are they using it for? We found it very interesting that Apple have very recently introduced changes to their operating system, which puts the data governance and data privacy in the control of the user. So I can say very clearly to applications on on Apple's operating system, this is the data I want you to have. This is the data I don't want you to have. And we believe this is a big step forward in data privacy and data governance. The third digital ethics pillar is misinformation. and This was a critical pillar during the, um, during the election that, uh, that Donald Trump lost in the US and also the resulting activities where they stormed the US Capitol building. We believe this is absolutely critical What policies do people like Facebook and Twitter have for verifying the veracity of online information? How do people ensure the accuracy of information? How do they prevent the spread of misinformation? Now, we focus quite narrowly in this pillar on demonstrably false information. So we're not here saying that people should try to shape the political agenda by only disseminating views that they agree with it has to be demonstrably false information. What policies do companies have in train? How many people are looking for false information? Facebook have 35,000 people looking at informa- misinformation um, on their site. We also demand transparency in terms of how companies assess misinformation and what they do with that. And aligned with this, we often we ask for a, an independent board which can look at controversial cases and transparently come to a conclusion. The third digital ethics, the fourth digital ethics pillar is ethical AI. Now, with ethical AI, we ask companies, what are their policies or codes of practice to govern the ethical development and the use of artificial intelligence? Do Do companies strive for diverse AI teams? Is there a code of human rights conduct? associated with AI? Do they publish information connected with the development and use of artificial intelligence? We can see here in some of the use cases in China, in terms of social scores for individual and recognising people on the street all the time. This is an issue that's not big in the Western world at the moment, but we believe it will become increasingly important over time. Now, the last two digital ethics pillars are online welfare and digital inclusion. For online welfare we're talking about do companies have policies to ensure online welfare? In practice how do companies like Facebook and Snapchat um, prevent online harm and we're talking about bullying, illegal gambling, children having access to hardcore pornography, sites that promote self-harm and anorexia for example what are companies' policies on this? Are they doing enough to take down content which we would all agree the children especially should not be exposed to? We ask that companies disclose and give us information about what policies they are using and what are their criteria for protecting online welfare. And this is especially focused on the online welfare of children. And then our final digital ethics pillar is digital inclusion. And this is also obviously incredibly important. Do companies have overarching policies to ensure digital inclusion? Do they have programs, activities that promote the diverse involvement of people in the connectivity universe, both of users and also as employees in these companies? We ask for people to release information about their digital inclusion um, policies and also their efforts and what the results of their efforts are. So here you can see we have six digital ethics pillars. They're all very detailed and all very different, but we believe that on a forward-looking basis, these are the six most important issues that we should be focused on from a sustainability point of view. And why did you decide to bring ethical AI and, and digital inclusion into your framework if as, as they weren't in the, the sort of original four? Well, you're right. Originally we had four digital ethics pillars but we decided to include ethical AI and digital inclusion because of a number of reasons. For ethical AI, we spent some time looking at what was happening in China. They have a social score for people. And if you do the wrong thing, they can take, um, they take some, some of your score away. And that can impact how your family are treated, how you, whether you have access to credit, etc. Um, and this is all done through um, recognising people on cameras and using facial recognition technology. We also saw that this was happening a bit more in the West, so the London Metropolitan Police have been using facial recognition technology. We've got nothing against this per se, but we do think that on a forward looking basis, this will become more and more important. And so it's absolutely critical for us to get ahead of the issue, to work out what we think, and actually in a proactive way engage with companies as they're thinking about um ethical AI and helping them shape their policies and just give some sense of what we expect as investors and stakeholders in their businesses. The second area you talked about was digital inclusion. And I think for this pillar, the the COVID-19 pandemic really brought to the fore the digital haves and have nots. So one particular case was clearly as children are schooled at home, some parents have access to laptops and iPads and amazing education. Some people are, uh, are really limited and have, do not have access to, to laptops and, and tablets. And their children suffered from this. And you can see some of the statistics from the UK, but also the US, that educational outcomes during the pandemic were very skewed according to um, diversity lines, which is obviously not a good outcome. And we wanted to, to sort of think about that. And then more broadly, we wanted to think about, uh, for example, are older people excluded from digital inclusion because they're old and there's some technologies they don't understand? Within companies, um, are there enough women on the boards? Are there enough women in in the workplace? Um, In terms of black and ethnic minority candidates and people in management positions, are there enough of them? Are companies making enough of an effort to ensure that they are... um, they have accurate representation and adequate representation in their companies, in their boards. I mean, ultimately we believe that it's the right thing to do both for us to engage with companies on this basis, but also for the companies themselves. We believe that outcomes are better with diverse opinions and a more challenging, uh, more challenging from different points of view. And that's certainly been my experience that in diverse teams in fidelity, we, te- we tend to have better outcomes. So that's why we included on, um ethical AI and digital inclusion um, as the sort of fifth and sixth pillars of our digital ethics. Finally, John, are there any companies where you feel you are having or have had positive influence? Yes, great question, um, James. So one of the companies where we've had some significant engagement has been with SoftBank Group. Um, SoftBank Group is an amazing company run by an amazing man who has an amazing track record of creating shareholder value, first from buying Vodafone Japan from Vodafone and very quickly turning it around to be SoftBank Mobile. Then he's got an amazing track record buying shares in Alibaba and making a lot of money for shareholders there. And more recently in many, many different IPOs and and, and investments. So he's an incredible investor and an an incredible person to be invested with alongside. Um, The reason we engaged with them was we felt that there were a few issues because they created this fund called the North Star Fund, which was investing in public equities such as NVIDIA, while also they owned ARM and were talking about selling ARM to NVIDIA. So we had some engagements with them just to talk through the corporate governance um, of the structure of the fund and also through the Chinese walls. Are we sure that there was no um, non-public information being passed from one side to another? And over time, we have... um, Engage with them, I've talked to them a lot, and our analyst has engaged them a lot, and we definitely feel that they are they have taken our concerns aboard. They are a very serious company about making sure that uh, everything is 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 as it should be and recently we've had some more engagements and they've made some changes in management uh, and changes on the board, and we feel that they're definitely moving in the right direction in terms of addressing some of our concerns so that's a company where we had some concerns. And we engage with them and we feel that they're definitely moving in the right direction and definitely taken on board all of the comments that that we've made over time, which is is great to see for us, but also we believe great for them as well. Great. Thanks, John. Thank you very much to James Hickling and John Guinness. Make sure that you tune into future Fidelity podcasts.